Jamie Montine, and this is my midlife crisis. This podcast is a little bit of a different one. This is another solo. Uh, I know I've been promising that I'll be having guests on this stuff, but uh, this one's pretty important. I think a lot of people go through this uh, in different ways, for sure. Uh, everybody's got their own way, but I think that everybody who has been in a position where they've worked really hard or put a lot of hours into something, uh, at the end of that, they suffer a little bit of burnout. Or if you've been working, you know, on multiple, uh, on multiple things for a very long time and without a break, I think it's really, really important for people to understand, uh, what burnout feels like and how to take steps to get out of it. You might not realize that you're burning out or you have burnt out until the last minute and when it happens, it's uh, pretty devastating. And I can only speak for myself in this because this is how it feels when uh, you come back from something and you feel as though you need to take a good break because you've been spending too much time uh, and you're burnt out. So the way it feels, for me in particular, uh, I've gone through it a couple times now in my career. And it's always career related. It's not just like, oh, you're out having fun and you're, you know, having too much fun and then all of a sudden you're burnt out. It, for me, it's always dealing with uh, work issues. So picture yourself in a position where there's no way out of it anyway. You have to get this job done no matter what. And you're just grinding. You're putting in... 20 hours a day, you're putting in, you know, 16 hour days for a, a multiple period of time, you're working nights, weekends, you're not eating correctly, you're not treating yourself all that great, you know, on a health sense, your mind is fully, fully focused on the task that's at hand. It's very, very hard for you to pull yourself away from that one task to deal with normal things, you know, household things like getting your laundry done or spending time with your kids if, if you do have kids um, or spending more time with your family or your friends to just kind of take that break from it because you know how you have this looming deadline that uh, for one reason or another, however important that ends up being, you're, you've signed on to it. So if you're anything like myself, if you sign on to something, you're going to finish it. And even if the deadline is looming and it's uh, quick, you know, the turnaround is going to be really fast on it. You're going to do whatever you can to make sure that that's done the best way possible. When I come back from an event, and I'm using an event as an example because this is the second time uh, in the last two years where I've been on the ground floor of a massive event where I've had a lot to do with the visuals that are happening on the on the stage that all need to be timed out and look a certain way and have no spelling mistakes and uh, they need to be part of a show flow so that uh, all the audience members see it as just this beautiful experience. Well, everything that goes into that takes a lot of time. And when you're first starting to ramp up into those things, it's like normal days at work. You can do your, you know, put in your normal hours. You're trying to figure out what this stuff is going to look like and you slowly start ramping into it. But as time starts chugging on and the deadline starts to loom, and it's usually the last, uh, in this, in my case anyway, it was like the last month and a half of this last job that I did uh, where I started ramping it up, where I was doing later nights, I was working from home, 
I was putting a lot of focus into this stuff, pretty much all of my focus, while there was a whole bunch of other jobs going on beside me. And my team was totally ramped up in those jobs. And they had crazy deadlines as well. So everybody was burning at the same time. Uh, but in my case, it was like very singularly focused. There was a lot of assets that needed to be created. I, def I definitely did have uh, some help with that because certain assets were taken on by other team members, which were great. But, but in this case, it was a little bit different because my team was spread thin on multiple projects. So I couldn't ask for too much help on it. So I took the brunt of what these uh, visuals would be. We're really used to working with this specific client. We know there's a lot of feedback uh, and there's a lot of people to get involved, sometimes very, very critically towards the end after everything's been approved or very, very close to approval. And they change their minds on things, which just adds and ramps up the anxiety as well as the uh, time that it takes to actually do these things. So after doing this event, Going through it, it was five days solid. In this one, I was in Nashville uh, on the ground and I had to have a visa for this. And that's a whole different story on its own. If you're ever going into the US and you're working as a professional and you need to be on the ground actually hands-on with some of the work that's gonna happen, you have to be going there with a visa. You never wanna be going to the border and saying, oh, I'm just going for a meeting because this can totally affect your personal life as well. If you don't do it legitimately, you could actually stop yourself from ever being allowed in the States again for that reason, you know? So try to make it as legitimate as possible, but I'll give you a few ideas of, of how this happens. If you're a professional that works in specific types of fields, you can always apply for a TN visa. And what that allows you to do is work for an American client for a specific amount of time. It could be up to three years. And that means that it would look as though they're hiring you outright so that you can move to the States and all of that, all of that stuff. But in a lot of situations, you're just going there for a few days here or a few days there, maybe a couple times throughout the year just to be on site to uh, oversee or have your hands on the work. And if you want to do it legitimately where you're not um, sort of gambling away your actual personal ability to travel to the States, you want to do it through some lawyers. And in order to do that, there's quite a cost that comes to that, not a personal cost. If you're working with a company that deals with it, the company will, the company should take care of the cost of that. That's just the way that things should work. You're working for them. The American client is their client, but they still need to go through this paperwork in order for you to be able to work on the ground. It's a very, very stressful situation because you have to go find, go back to the college if you don't have your original uh, diploma or degree or any of that kind of stuff. You need to have an updated resume, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but if you've been working for the last while for, for the same company, it's a little bit of uh, going back to the uh, drawing board because you actually used that resume to get hired a few years ago and it's not very updated. Um, you need to show that you're a professional in that field. And when they ask you, so what are you going to be doing in that? You have to say that you're doing exactly the job that is required for the TN visa. So you'd have to say, for in my case, it's graphic design. But my schooling was not in graphic design. My schooling was in animation. I just 
taught in the graphic design program at a college for a number of years and I've worked in graphic design for let's say 15 to 18 years a bunch of those years in the 18 were actually just doing animation but I got into the graphic design afterwards uh, motion design literally is graphic design that's being animated so you do understand all of those things you you know that piece of paper from school is really really important for these things but if you can prove that you are somebody who works in that field but you have to say because my role at my work is as a director but uh, a director of motion design which would be you know sort of a little bit different from your everyday graphic designer so but it's legitimate and it's true and we deal with that stuff as it comes but you have to go and find all of these things and get it all signed by all different people that'll be your references and uh, you need to have the client sending something that says I want to hire person X for this amount of time um, and you need your company to also show how much that's going to cost them show where it's going to be show all these different things to sort of vouch for you as well and so you end up going with this package that's probably like an inch and a half thick full of paperwork full of all of this stuff and if you get the three years it's great because that means that you can go back and forth back and forth and you don't have to deal with this again but in my case the last time i tried it um even though i had all of the paperwork one of the pieces of paper did not say exactly what they needed to have and this is through lawyers you know so you're just assuming that they've done this multiple times before so they've got you covered but it's still stressful you go to the border you don't go right to a border person you go directly into the I'll call it the interrogation room it's more of like the meeting it's kind of the area behind the scenes where you have to go for any of this kind of paperwork that is also quite stressful and then if it's the first time you're doing it you're not even sure if you're gonna get through and so the last time I did this, which was two years ago, I ended up going with all the stuff. I had all the drives with all of the uh, content on it and all the video content, I should say. I had everything for the show. I had to be there the next day so that we could start setting up for this giant show for thousands of people. And I got denied. I got denied right at from the border guard because one piece of paper didn't state exactly what it needed. So your stress level goes ramps up to a hundred at that point you're like well uh how is this whole show gonna happen how is all like who's gonna take your place they'd have to go through lawyers if they're from canada they'd have to go through all this stuff and the show starts tomorrow you know there's no way to actually get the as far as i know there's no way to get these visas signed before you can actually go to the border for your flight so you have to go to, for your flight hours and hours earlier uh the last two times i've done it uh it was an hour and a half each the first time to not even get my visa but the border guard said just come back within the five days you're good to go and they gave me a b1 which is just allows me to go to the states i still was able to do the work but they said the next time you do this make sure that your paperwork's all in order i got very very lucky with that very lucky but just like i said the stress level ramps up to 100 and your anxiety is crazy and it's not a good way to start off something that's going to be very very difficult in the end those events end up lasting five days on the ground four to five days on the ground and it is intense very very intense so this year 
the same process, went through it again. I did get my visa, but it was only for five days instead of three years because that's what, what was stipulated in the contract. I totally get it. But it's like, if I was expected to do this, you know, next year or multiple times, I have to go through it all over again. And there's a big cost associated with that for my company. So you start this whole project sort of on the wrong foot because you're, it's just filled with anxiety. Knowing that you're going to be on the ground is, is knowing that you're going to be on the ground is extremely stressful as well, because you have no idea what to expect during the time that you're going through all of this. You are not eating properly. You're not exercising, right? Not, I can't speak for everybody, but this is just me personally. I'm not spending as much time with my family as I'd like to. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm just focused on this project at hand. Last year, when I came back from the same event, uh, I thought I could hop back into work the very next day or the very next week. And I couldn't because I actually felt just fully, fully burnt out from it. So multiple days at 20 hours a day, 16 hours a day, tremendous stress. You have clients coming in constantly just looking at the work, approving it or not approving it you know, you're doing iterations on the floor with this. You're also partnered with numerous other companies where you're getting this content too, so they can project it to the stage so that it fits in the right place. Um, so that they can time it out. It's, it's not something that happens months before where there's a big practice run. This is one of the most intense, uh, experiences I've ever had. Now I've had it more than once. And after coming back from this one, I realized that I'm like, I'm not doing this one again. I like being put in a position where I can sort of show my worth and my value and that I can actually do this kind of work. And usually, even in stressful situations, I can handle it. But what happens afterwards is where I realize that I can't. I don't handle it well. Um, and I try to find all sorts of different ways of dealing with that. And one of the best ways to deal with it is actually just taking a step away and uh, taking some time for yourself. The funny thing about that is you'd think like, oh, well, okay, you take a vacation afterwards. Well, they should probably be sick days. I don't know, that's debatable, okay? They should probably be sick days for burnout, but um, I take them as vacation days so nobody can um, you know, send me messages. I'm totally offline during that time. And what happens and what it feels like is almost like, a ringing in your ears. I'm no joke. Okay. I thought I'd sit down, relax. I'd just be able to sleep a little bit more. I thought I would just be able to get some things done at home where I have no other worries or stress about the, about work things that it's just like home things and just taking care of yourself. But what it really feels like to me is just like silence and being in front of screens. There's nothing that's inspiring me. There's nothing that I go, oh, I could look at Instagram or I could, you know, look at some websites or look at my daily blogs or whatever it is. And I just have zero interest. The only thing that I find there's an interest for is just going for walks in nature with the dog, um, listening to podcasts, something to just kind of take your mind off of all of these things. I stay up pretty late at night because it's my own personal time. Uh, I sleep in a little bit later in the mornings. Um, I'm starting to actually eat much, much better and a lot more because during the uh, event time, I hardly eat at all because of the stress. I'm sure I lost 10 pounds on the last one, close to it anyway. 
And um, I'm going through a period right now too. It's not just a period. It's like a quite a long period of no alcohol, uh, taking a full year break off of uh, drinking any alcohol. So it's not like I even have much of a release to just say, oh, I just feel like getting a buzz on and, and having a good time and just relaxing, falling asleep. But I don't have that. I'm not, It's a decision that I made before my birthday this year. So I've been spending a little bit of time cooking, been spending a little bit of time, actually quite a bit of time just eating again. And I'm sure that within this week, I'll put on at least five to, t- to 10 of those pounds back on. Um, but it's that feeling of indifference. So things that would get me really, really jazzed and that I get really excited about, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it's totally blank right now. So somebody could show me something that's really, really cool. Like if they were to send me a link to something and say, oh, you should check this out. The truth is I just don't care. I just, at this moment, when I'm going through this kind of period, I find that I'm so indifferent that it feels like you're just in limbo. And I think the limbo could easily last more than a week. I think it could last more than a couple days. I think maybe it lasts months for some people. Um, It just feels like your head's in the clouds. You're just going through your day-to-day and everything is passing you by. But you need to have that time. I think that you need to have that time alone so that you can kind of get back to who you were before this. I've tried to record this podcast, I want to say five to six times already, and every time I do it, I'm just thinking like, ah, do I even feel like doing it? Of course I feel like doing it. I want to start putting these podcasts out. I want people to hear this. Um, I want to know if other people out there relate to it as well, or if this is helpful, or if this is just triggering a story that they had themselves. I'd be interested in hearing that as well. But I think it's really important to take care of yourself. And... When you're younger, when you're in your like early 20s, mid 20s, even late 20s, but before you hit your 30s anyway, it's really important to have times like this where you do work hard, where you push your limits, where you see what you're made of, because it builds confidence. It really does build confidence. You know that in a really, really hard situation, you could stand up to it and you can do it. It's like you'll never know unless you try it, honestly. But be aware, every time you do that, it takes a little bit away from you. And now that I'm 40, and I've been, I've had a lot of these experiences where I've uh, worked very, very hard for prolonged periods of time, and put a lot of hours into certain things, um, it's caught up to me. You know, I, I never really, I never really felt, it in my earlier age, I never felt, uh the same kind of thing. I find that as I get older, I, I just have less and less energy for it. I have a great amount of energy for being uh, in a situation to get things done. I can because the focus is very strong, but um, it's the aftermath. So the aftermath is actually sometimes very devastating and you don't know what it is and you don't know really how to get out of it. So Because I've been through it once before where it was heavy last year. I had a heavy, heavy time. I want to say that it dwindled for at least a month or more until I felt like myself again. Um, This year, I threw myself into it again, which could could sound so stupid. If you know that's how you're going to deal with things, why would you do it again? I just felt like there wasn't much of a choice in this one. This was like a situation. Everybody else is busy around me. And 
this is something that I know I could take on and uh, physically do. And knowing, or at least hoping that it wouldn't have been as bad as it was the year before, the feeling wouldn't be as bad. But uh, this year, it's even heavier. So to give you an idea of why things kind of went haywire was you spend all this time getting everything ready. Um, everything was done early. It was all approved somewhat early as well. So that was really, really good. That was a huge step forward. We took steps from last year to this year to change up how devastating this could be to us. And this is just, I'm with a team of five people. We're all doing different things, but I work very, very closely with the creative director and uh, the other part, the other people in the team as well. And because we're all sort of giving each other assets here and there. And I saw it on everybody. Everybody was having a very difficult time with this one. And we were so well prepared. So, so well prepared on this. Um, but what happens is when you're on the show floor, when the, the time is crucial, we have clients that have come back to us the day before, the night before, and said, scrap that. We're gonna we're gonna do something else with this, and this is a huge part of content. You know, this is a huge part of the content of the actual show that's gonna go live, and that's when we all sort of ramp up, get this stuff done, get it uh, sent to the correct people so that it gets approved, but it also gets tested. And in some cases, there's no time for the testing. You just have to, you know, cross your fingers and hope that everything is going to work on site, which is a crazy way to work. It's absolutely a crazy way to work. And if I had the choice, it's not a way that I would ever work with with a client. I would never agree to this stuff. But I'm not in that position. Because we can say no as much as we want, but when it comes down to it, if something is going to be live, it still needs to go live. So are you going to put up a blank screen with like uh, some type on it? No. We have like all this content that needs to help reflect what the story is that they're trying to tell on stage. Anyway, this year we had one of those, actually not just one, we had a number of those happen literally the night before or the day before, which gave no time. And the only way you're going to get it done is by putting tremendous hours into it, testing, um, and then you're thinking about rendering on the floor and all you've got is a laptop and a, you know, a few hard drives. And what happens when those hard drives die? The year before I had six hard drives and out of those six hard drives, four of them died on me as things were happening. And it was just so intense. But anyway, everything worked out with that. And in, in the end, uh, to be totally honest, with all of this stress and with all of this um, anxiety that's happening, everything looked seamless and perfect. I can't I can't say that there was one thing that looked poor on that. Everything visually worked excellent. So I guess I'm proud of that fact. I would love to have come back with this and being like, that was really tough, but it was the best thing I've ever done. It's not even close to the best thing I've ever done. You know, I, other than the fact that I love the team that I was with, I love my team back at home that helped you know, and was there to, uh, you know, basically on call any time of night, if I needed something, I could, I could reach out and ask. Um, and they were there for me too, if I needed anything. So those two takeaways were fantastic because we went through something, we struggled through something very, very difficult and we all did a fantastic job. 
So my takeaway was I the experience with my teammates and the people that I really, really care for were that was the best experience of this whole thing. No matter how good all this stuff looked, no matter who was on stage, because we had some semi-famous people, actually somebody who was quite famous on stage, you know, and even though you'd want to run up and meet these people, you while you're doing this stuff and you're so laser focused, you have no time for it and you have, it becomes unimportant. But the experience itself, I wish I had a much better takeaway from it, but I felt like I was just grinded into dust afterwards, even during, you know, and you just, you count down the days. So you start off with five days to, to go, you know, and as the days pass, you're just thinking, okay, great. Only four days left. Okay, great. Only three days left. It's a countdown clock till you get to leave. That's basically how it feels. Sorry that this might sound so negative. It's just that that was the experience of this whole thing. It's just too intense. It's in my personal opinion, having experiences like this are not worth it. They're I'm sure taking years off my life uh, and everybody involved, everybody who is part of that distress. It has to go to a spot that is not good for you. I'm sure. Um, I think that everybody needs to take a break after something like this uh, just to be on their own, just to be hanging out, just kind of like getting back to a baseline. And I don't know how long that is for everybody. You know, this one, I'm hoping that at the end of this week, which I've taken off as a vacation, uh, I'm starting to feel like getting into different things again and being excited about work and being, you know, a hundred percent, but I'm not counting on it. I'm counting on, I'll be a little bit better. My mind will be a little bit better after this. I really hope that gives a little bit of an insight to what it feels like when I'm burning out personally or I'm I'm feeling burnout. You might feel the same. You just have to keep looking ahead. You know that it's going to get better. You know that you're actually going to start feeling good because I've been through it before. I know it takes some time, but when you get through it, you'll be back to yourself. It just, the timing is different for everybody. And uh, I don't know what it feels like to be depressed, I would imagine that this might be what depression feels like for some people. But uh, if this is something you deal with on a day to day, um, I really feel for you. I really, really do. I just look at it as the world keeps moving. It keeps turning. There's so many opportunities to still have in life. There's uh, so many good people, friends and family to be around spend that time with these people. Uh, get out of your own head for a little while and, um, you know, everything will get better. So I hope that doesn't sound too, too dark. I just, um, wanted to put this out there because I really haven't spoken to anybody since not properly. And I just feel as though everybody who's working hard, they're going through their own level of this too. Um, and nobody's is the same, you know? So thanks a lot for having a listen. I really appreciate it. Uh, the next few podcasts, I'm definitely going to be getting guests in. I hope the audio is much better on this. I've got a different mic set up here. Um, and if you're listening to my podcast, I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a good one. We'll catch you on the other side.